Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. It's Thursday, May 18th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. The long-standing issue of sewer backups in Cahokia Heights is well-documented, but what's happening to fix the problem and when? Nothing that's done right is done in a hurry. It takes time. I mean, you know, if I could wave a magic wand and get it done tomorrow, I wish that I could. Coming up, St. Louis Public Radio's Will Bauer will examine the repair work in the Metro East community and what residents think about it. Two former St. Louis prosecutors are no longer facing contempt charges for failing to appear at an April court hearing. A judge has granted motions to dismiss the cases against former Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner and a former Assistant Prosecutor Christopher DeSillitz. The special prosecutor says it is no longer in the interest of justice to continue since neither are still working for the office. DeSillitz resigned this month. Gardner abruptly left on Tuesday, more than two weeks earlier than planned. Also, Attorney General Andrew Bailey's office has dismissed an attempt to oust Gardner. The move was not surprising. Both sides indicated at a hearing this week that her resignation rendered the effort moot. Some patients and health care providers are relieved by the Missouri Attorney General's decision to withdraw a rule that would have restricted access to gender-affirming care to transgender minors and adults. But they anticipate fighting similar restrictions in the future. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton reports. The rule would have required transgender people to have more than a dozen hours of therapy and prove that mental health issues had been resolved before getting hormone surgery or other treatment. Bailey's office says it pulled the rule because the Republican-controlled state legislature passed a ban on gender-affirming care for Missourians under 18. Governor Mike Parson is expected to sign it into law. June Choate coordinates events for the Metro Trans Umbrella Group. She says she's relieved but worries about other patients. It feels like I just jumped off a train that was like about to run off the rails, but like there's still like another train coming. Choate says she fears laws restricting transgender care for adults and children in Florida and other states could spark similar legislation in Missouri. I'm Sarah Fenton, St. Louis Public Radio. A St. Louis alderwoman is proposing a ban on people who openly carry firearms in the city without a concealed carry permit. Kara Spencer says open carrying of weapons is increasing and is a threat to the St. Louis community. The 8th Ward alderwoman has introduced an ordinance she says provides tools to remove guns from city streets and increase safety. Her proposal came on the same day as a summit to help develop a regional strategy to address crime. That followed a recent report from Greater St. Louis, Inc., on the need to come up with a plan to reduce homicides in the area. People on both sides of the gun rights issue are weighing in on the U.S. Supreme Court action regarding Illinois' ban on high-powered firearms and large-capacity magazines. Mawa Iqbal reports. The court denied an emergency request for a temporary blocking of the ban while a lawsuit plays out in federal appeals court in Chicago. The ban for now will remain in place. Naperville gun shop owner Robert Bevis brought the lawsuit arguing it violates Second Amendment rights. His attorney, Jason Craddock, said despite yesterday's setback, he's confident the high court would rule in their favor if asked to consider whether the law is constitutional. I think it's very likely we'd end up prevailing in the end, but they, they don't like to act prematurely. Illinois Attorney General Kwame Raoul praised the high court's action and said the state will, quote, continue to benefit from this important public safety measure. I'm Mawa Iqbal. 
A county coroner in Illinois has confirmed an eighth person has died following this month's dust storm crashes on I-55. The 81-year-old was in one of those vehicles that crashed south of Springfield. She died this week. The National Weather Service wants to learn from those deadly crashes. Ed Shimon is with the service in central Illinois. He says in the future, dust storms will be included in alerts that go directly to cell phones. When there's significant severe weather or hazardous weather that can impact you, your phones will alert to those conditions. Um, And that's really vital, and we have to leverage that because people are busy. They're moving around. They're not always near a media source listening to a radio, watching TV. He was a guest on St. Louis on the Air. Shimon also says the Weather Service is considering satellite imagery to better predict dust storms. St. Louis's Major League Soccer team is near the top of the league in wins, but near the bottom in player salaries. The league's Players Association reports City SC has the second lowest payroll among the 29 teams. Michael Hafner is with the supporter group St. Louis City Punks. He says the place in the standings is much more important than the money spent. As a fan, I'm overjoyed with how well that they've exceeded expectations, both in the fans' eyes and also just MLS league-wise, you know, compared to the other teams. Hafner also says the MLS rules on payroll are very complicated and the total does not tell the whole story. He says the team is in a good position to add players this summer. It's been nearly two months since Cahokia Heights received the first installment of a nearly $10 million state grant to fix its sewer system. Residents who've dealt with years of sewage backup and flooding are wondering what happens next and when. St. Louis Public Radio's Will Bauer reports. I'm showing the project's timeline to resident Yvette Lyles. Here you go up here. Okay. January 2024 is when construction should start. So you mean to tell me we got to deal with another year of flooding like this? A bunch of bull coming up in the yard again and in the house, a crawl space and pumping all this raw sewage out again until they actually started construction. So now she lives in the Piat Place neighborhood, one of the most affected. And that feeling of immediate need is not lost on the city's engineers like Jim Nold. We're going to do our best to get work done as quickly as we can. You know, we realize that some of this stuff is urgent and people are impatiently waiting for shovels to hit the ground, so we're going to go as fast as we can go. Nold works for the engineering firm Hearst Roche. He's running the sewer repair project for Cokia Heights. It's funded by a $10 million grant from the Illinois Environmental Protection Agency. It will fix 35 pump stations and thousands of feet of sewer pipe. The city and its engineers conducted field surveys, tested sewers, and monitored groundwater, all prep work before they can prepare bids for construction. That construction was scheduled to start in January 2024. But Nold says bids are being prepared right now, and he hopes some projects start before scheduled. I think there'll be a significant amount of work that started before the end of the year. However, residents may not get results as soon as they want. Cokie Heights Mayor Curtis McCall Sr. says, unfortunately, that's just the process. Nothing that's done right is done in a hurry. It takes time. I mean, you know, if I could wave a magic wand and get it done tomorrow, I wish that I could. The engineers say when construction gets going, the northern parts of town that often have it the worst, like Piat, will be first for construction. They also say construction will be grouped by type and location. For example, simple repairs that could be done by landscapers will be done together. Those could be fairly quick fixes. Replacing a pump station, on the other hand, will need to be done by a general contractor and could take longer. 
the entire project is scheduled to be complete by February 2026. While all these fixes sound like good progress to resident Cornelius Bennett, he says he's been hearing about change for a long time now, and yet to see much. Like I said, we're just still waiting. We, we don't know what the problem is. We go to our meetings. Uh, we haven't talked to the mayor in months. And uh, it just seemed like we had a standstill. And homes are still getting flooded. Uh, people still having problems. So the only thing we could do is just sit and wait and, and try to keep all the water off as best we can. Bennett says he saw some work being done by the city in the last couple of months on the ditches near his home. But for the most part, he feels like he's left in the dark about what's happening. As part of the grant, the city will host public meetings on the project every quarter. McCall says those should start this month. Also, they will need to update the city's website. The goal of those will be keeping residents like Bennett and Lyles informed about all the repairs. McCall says the city's not been the best when it came to communication. With all that's required by the grant, he's hoping to improve it. Uh, so they will be well informed going forward, something that really and truly we just not have done. We as a city have to do a better job of that. One of the residents who'd like better communication is Jennifer Chike. She and her husband moved their family to Kokia Heights in 2019. She says she's grown increasingly frustrated with the situation, but she remains hopeful. Yeah, you have to have hope, but I, I don't have hope that it's going to come from our leaders. I think it's going to be us as residents organizing and gathering our voices together and getting loud enough to get something done. Jake and others say they're optimistic that things can change for the better, but they say they'll have to see it before they believe it. In Kokia Heights, I'm Will Bauer, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Fred Ehrlich edited that report. Ashley Listenby is the news director of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.